Welcome to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. They call themselves the people. They should never have survived and ignored people who, despite all odds, were instrumental in the success of John Wesley Powell's expeditions. Immortalized in the only existing collection outside the Smithsonian of John Hiller's 116 original 1872 photographs, now the photographs are preserved. This people's incredible story of surviving and thriving in the most inhospitable place in North America can be told. The book is The People. The Missing Piece of John Wesley Powell's Expeditions, A Photographic History of the Southern Paiute Tribes. The author, Carol Ormond, uh, joins us from KCPW Studios. Uh, Carol Ormond, welcome to the program. Hi, Tom. Thank you. It's good to be here. And uh, Kevin Ormond, uh, your husband, uh, involved in publication, uh, joins us as well. Yep, except it's Ormond. Uh, Ormond. Just like (laughs) Osmond, except with an R. Very good. All right. (laughs) Oh, oh, great to have you on. But you got the first name right, which is great because it's spelled with a C. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll, I'll tell the listeners a secret. I, I was listening in when you were talking to my producer, uh, Emily. Otherwise, I would, have, uh, I would have tried to sound it out, and I would have sounded really bad. So <laughs> grateful for that, uh, that coincidence. Um, so um, uh, I want to start with uh, how you uh, two uh, got involved with this project. You uh, you've written a little something, Carol, on uh, on the website thepeoplebooks.com, which people can go and uh, look at the book. Uh, so, uh, tell me how you discovered the uh, Maynard Dixon uh, cabin, which is in uh, Mount Carmel. Right. Well, I have had a lifelong interest in photography, and Maynard Dixon's second wife was Dorothea Lang, and. We've gone past the Maynard Dixon uh, Museum in Mount Carmel, I don't know how many times, and always wanted to stop in there. And uh, finally, it was one of those days when uh, we actually had some time. We were heading home from, of all places, the north rim of the Grand Canyon, which I had seen for the first time, and um, stopped in. And I found myself looking at 150-year-old photographs that had been taken of people who had lived in that area. And um, I was just struck. I, the minute I saw the photographs, I, I felt like they were priceless, that it was a price, priceless history, could never be captured again. And um, said to Paul Bingham, the owner of the the photographs, have you ever thought of putting these in a book or these need to be in a book? And um, he essentially (laughs) took me back uh, by saying, well, when do you want to start? (laughs) And uh, I thought he was kidding. We went out and we looked at the property there, the Maynard Dixon cabin, the studio. It's beautiful. Uh, it's It's a place... If you're They've down done a wonderful way, job see. restoring it. Um, and when we we came when, when we came back, he was still serious, and so we started talking about uh, actually doing a project. And uh, ironically enough, or serendipitously enough, uh, my husband actually has a publishing company, and so this has been just uh, just a an incredible partnership between the Binghams. And um, and then my well, the writing and researching and and, and, uh, and Kevin's and, and uh, publishing. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, uh, here at the uh, front, I should uh, I should note um, there uh, 
there are some uh, activities, uh, some events. So let's uh, promote those. So uh, celebrating the 150th anniversary. Uh, so an exhibit of 40 reprints of photographs from the original collection and an exhibit reception book signing. That's happening tomorrow. Uh, Salt Lake County Library Viridian Event Center in West Jordan, uh, 7 p.m. Um, Correct. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the, the exhibit the exhibit is there. Um, we put it up yesterday morning. It's there until the thirtieth, but but the reception is tomorrow night and okay. book signing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then some events on May eighteenth at the Maynard Dixon Museum in Mount Carmel. Yes, uh, the Binghams have put together a full day of events. Um, they have commissioned Robert Goldman, who has done 40 original paintings. He went to various places that John Wesley Powell and his expedition uh, visited during some of their uh, trips. He to actually the West. flew a drone down into the Grand Canyon, got mm. permission to yeah, do that, and take, wow. take, take yeah. pictures of camping spots and things like that <laughs> where they were, and then painted these things. The guy's an amazing artist. Wow. And but so he did it from those photographs he took. Robert's, Robert's going to give a presentation at 11 a.m. in the Old Rock Church talking about his experience. Uh, doing that, and then I'll be there at one uh, talking about the book and the production of the book, and uh, the uh, the Dixon cabin and grounds will be uh, open and available for Studio, touring. Studio, bunkhouse, and, uh, 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 actually where his final resting place is, it's all there. And then uh, in the evening, six to nine, there'll be uh, a reception uh, for the Goldman exhibit and uh, and for the book. Mm. Uh, and it's free. Everything is free and open to the public, uh, but you do need to register online. Did you mention okay. your one o'clock presentation, Carol? Okay. Yep. So. All right. So um, I, before we jump into this very fascinating story, we've got John Wesley Powell. We've got, uh, uh, you know, John Hiller's. Uh, Maynard Dixon's involved tangentially, <laughs> um, and, and uh, oh, by the way, the the Southern Paiute tribes, uh, which we want to concentrate on. Um, I, I want to get your reaction, uh, Carol Ormond. You, you describe yourself as a flatlander from Wisconsin. You, <laughs> yes, you, you came to so you have outsiders' eyes of, of the West. Yes, and. Um you know, when Paul and I talked about the book, he was very clear that there were some things that the book had to be. One of those uh, was that it was positive, a, a positive story about the the Indians. Um, a lot has been written, and, um, and, and some of it not so complimentary. Um, he also wanted it to be a unique perspective and that it would be non-academic. And again, there have been some really fine uh, books written uh, about John Wesley Powell, about the Paiutes, uh, but they are academic. And so they're kind of the, the, the audience is kind of narrowed. And so I think what I brought to it, it was I knew Puts nothing. Puts most normal people to sleep. <laughs> That's another way to I, say that. I knew nothing. I honestly uh, knew nothing about the Paiutes. I can't even say other than his name that I knew very much about John Wesley Powell. And so I had no idea going into this what I was going to find. Um, was not intending to do any original research, but wanted to just discover what others had uh, found out. And um, and it was just a, a, a marvelous journey. And um, I think the book 
has achieved those results of making these photographs and and a more intimate look into the life of the Southern Paiute Indians um, available to a broader audience. Mm. Well, and there's another point, too, and that is that, um, that, that when Powell and Hillers took these photos, um, it was actually their, their second expedition, I believe, uh, when they were there in 72-73. Uh, they overwintered down in Kanab, but this is the last captured um, look at the last original or aboriginal culture in the lower 48. Ten years after these photos were taken, that culture was gone because of miners and, and uh, ranchers and everybody moving in, and it just kind of um, evaporated. And so, you know, this, this, is the, this is the last possibility that there was to capture that culture. And, uh, and um, they, did a, they did a phenomenal job. Think about developing these things in in a tent in the sagebrush for crying out loud yeah, yeah I, I definitely want to get into that a little bit later the, the fascinating process uh, of, of, of actually taking these photographs and developing them yeah. uh, let's start with uh, John Wesley Powell we we know him I think by the 1869 expedition right the uh, down the mm. river the adventures but I, I read in the book uh, that by the second expedition he was much more interested in ethnography and, and the peoples around him Yes, that's correct. And um, one of the interesting things about that first Powell expedition is um, the fact that it was coincident with the Golden Spike. The 150th uh, uh, anniversary of the Golden Spike occurred tomorrow. Um, and uh, two weeks later, John Wesley Powell was in Green River, yeah, Wyoming. Yeah, he took the train to Green River and dropped his boats in the river there, and uh, <laughs> uh, couldn't have done that without, so, without the, so the railroad. So these two events... <laughs> they really tied together. Uh, are, tied, ...are tied together. Yeah, interesting, interesting. And a lot of events surrounding that uh, Golden Spike anniversary, including here on uh, UPR. Um, so uh, why do you think that part of John Wesley Powell is not as well known? Of course, the adventure captures the imagination, but for, for a lot of his life... Uh, John Wesley Powell was interested in in yes. capturing culture. Yes, uh, there was something about um, the Indian culture that did capture him. There were uh, he was one of uh, four major expeditions to the West uh, at that time, and he was the only one who seemed to be. Um, very interested in the Indian cultures. He uh, and sympathetic in seeing them as people, yes, not, uh, as, yes. not as something to be brushed aside. You yes. Know. Um, as a matter of fact, if you don't mind, I I would like to read something yes, from the book that Powell definitely. that was said about Powell and that what he said. Um, it, one of uh, Powell's great gifts and what made him successful in his interactions with the Southern Paiute and other Indian tribes was that he, and this is the quote from none other than Wallace Stegner, he respected the Indians and earned their respect because he accepted without question their right to be what they were, to hold their beliefs and institutions natural to them, to approach a strange culture and a strange people without prejudice, suspicion, condescension or fear. So in 1870, that was kind of an uncommon uh, approach or attitude to have toward the Native American uh, 
cultures and especially toward the southern Paiute Indians because they were in their aboriginal state and um, other people saw them as destitute had their numbers diminished since the settlers in about 1850 um, uh, through illness sickness that had brought in by uh, the um, Settlers and going uh, through that area, their numbers had diminished greatly, and their quality of life had suffered. Uh, they retained um, qualities and capacities that that fascinated Powell. And yes, uh, after that first exciting river trip, he was more interested in um, ethnography, in uh, collecting stories, language. Um, and uh, the culture of artifacts of artifacts mm-hmm. of the people. Yes. Why do you think he was? Uh, and Stegner, go, in the, you know, uh, going on in that quote, he, he notes with understatement that this was unusual. Yes. That, that many other, you know, uh, people, uh, you know, Europeans, did not have this accepting view of, of Native Americans. Why do you think Powell had this view? Well. Partly, I think, because he took the time to get to know them and to understand them. And um, he felt very comfortable among them. Um, And I think he was able to appreciate the, uh, the qualities that they had that allowed them to live in this extremely hostile uh, environment. Well, I think beyond Utah. that too, um, he he um, uh, appreciated the fact that they saved his bacon. Uh, he'd have died of thirst <laughs> if they hadn't shown him where to find water, uh, and uh, and uh, maybe maybe starvation if they hadn't shown him how to find food, um, because uh, you know um, that that area uh, things are scarce anyway. And then and then when you uh, when you pile the fact that he overwintered and everything else there where. Uh, things get even more scarce. That uh, uh, absent their knowledge of um, of the environment and their ability to find water, their ability to find food, and and uh, things like that, uh, he'd have been in big, big trouble. Mm. And and they really they he 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 would not have have been able to really stay there successfully absent that. And um, uh, there 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 are stories about about them going for 25 miles to find a, a depression in a rock that, that, that the Indians know about that's full of water mm. and stuff like that. It's called a water pocket. Right. Yeah. The other thing, Tom, um, is that in 1870, well, in 1869, uh, three of Powell's uh, expedition members had left the expedition before the end of the uh, the river run and had climbed out of the canyon and they had been killed by Paiute Indians um, the Paiute were not warrior like um, and what it turned out was that uh, uh, that apparently there had been um, some Paiute uh, members who had been killed and word had come that it was these three men who had done it. And so this was uh, kind of a a retribution or uh, reprisal for that. Um, 
that was not the case. Uh, it w- had not been these men, but they were mistakenly identified. And so th- this incident had happened. So in 1870, when Powell came back, um, one of the first things that he knew he needed to do was be able to um, have ar- arranged for safe passage among the Indians. And uh, one of uh, his chief, uh, who would become his chief guide and informant, this Chirumpik, uh, was the one who arranged, who brought him down to southern Utah from Salt Lake City down to southern Utah. Uh, there was a, a meeting and uh, and peaceful passage was was arranged. And uh, Paul, uh, Paul writes uh, in his history that uh, the night, that night after this meeting, he slept peacefully and without any fear at all among these people who had been involved in this other incident in 69. Hmm. And so that began, I think, this relationship uh, among the Paiute Indians, uh, and they were receptive to him. He was receptive to them. I was interested, uh, there's a there's an interesting quote in the book, uh, John Wesley Powell, as he's arranging, uh, you know, safe passage and arranging this partnership with the, with the Southern Paiutes, uh, he tells them, uh, the, the white man, we, we, we're thirsty for knowledge, right? We just want right. to know about you. We want to yes. get all knowledge. And I, uh, with the benefit of, of you know, hindsight, of, I knew I know the future, of course, he didn't. <laughs> I was talking to him, you know, as I was reading the book, I was saying, but, but John Wesley, um, you, you, they're, they're going to want more than that, right? And, and that's what happened. They came out from mining and, and et cetera, et cetera, and it didn't yes. turn out so well. Yes, uh, what exactly. do you think? What do you think John Wesley Powell's, do you think he did have pure intentions? I think, given the knowledge and what he was intending to achieve uh, during that time period, and I think that's one of the key things, is that you have to look at it in the lens that he was looking at it, that he was interested in fi- seeing, seeing the changes that had come, that were coming. I think he was genuinely interested in finding solutions. Uh, to the situation down there, but the solutions uh, he he did uh, he did suggest that the uh, Paiute Indians be put on reservations. Well, their way of life was not conducive to that at all. They needed because they were subsistence uh, uh, living by subsistence. They uh, they needed large areas to roam, and they needed to be able to. Uh, cultivate over wide areas in order to get enough food um, for themselves. And this was disappearing. So his his idea was that they would be put on a reservation, and th- that was not a viable uh, uh, solution to the situation that was coming upon them at that time. But I do think that his intentions were uh, to find ways to benefit and uh, to uh, to address some of the the changes that were going to be coming, and I, I do think he was sincere. Um, he he talks about uh, that he wishes to be their friend, and that he wants to take. 
photographs of them and share them with his other friends. And I, I, I feel like it was a genuine interest in them. Uh, let's uh, let's take a break, uh, and when we come back, we'll have more with uh, Carol Armand and uh, Kevin Armand. Uh, Carol Armand is uh, author of a new book, "The People: The Missing Piece of John Wesley Powell's Expeditions: A Photographic History of the Southern Paiute Tribes." And uh, Kevin Armand uh, involved in the publication of uh, the book. Uh, this is uh, published to what Get Her Done Books and the Thunderbird Foundation are the the publishers, right? That's right, and and. Uh, the proceeds split with the nonprofit with the Thunderbirds. So it's yeah. a, uh, um, you know, anybody who who uh, um, decides to get a, a copy is is helping uh, to uh, uh, build a future museum and do preservation for for um, um, the Thunderbird Foundation down there at the Maynard Dixon property. There are several events uh, celebrating the 150th anniversary. Uh, there's an exhibit of 40. Uh, Reprints of photographs from the original collection in an exhibit, and uh, that's at the uh, Salt Lake County Library Viridian Event Center. At least the uh, book, the reception book signing, yeah, that's uh, tomorrow, 7 o'clock, Viridian Event Center um, in West Jordan. And then several events on May 18th at the Maynard Dixon Museum in Mount Carmel, uh, Utah. Um, and you can find out more about that by going to... Uh, uh, thethunderbirdfoundation.com thethunderbirdfoundation.com We'll have more following the break. Did you know that libraries in Cache Valley are being transitioned into civic spaces of the future? Researchers have received a grant from the Institute of Museum and Library Services to work with libraries in northern Utah and the students they serve. They will involve students and their families in maker activities, which combine arts and crafts with technology and engineering. Teachers are excited to discover ways to reach more students. Many physics, biology, art, and shop teachers now have their students engaged in these projects. In North Logan, the library is already opening its doors to all kinds of learning activities. Community members are coming to participate in arts, crafts, and computer classes for seniors. This segment of Did You Know That has been brought to you by our members and the Emma Eccles-Jones College of Education and Human Services, committed to mentoring tomorrow's educators, researchers, and clinicians, located on campuses in Logan and 26 other sites throughout Utah. Thanks for listening to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. We're talking about some very interesting history, a lot of intersecting uh, points. John Wesley Powell, John Hillers, the Southern Paiute Tribes. I Maynard Dixon is involved here, at least tangentially. We're talking about a book called The People, the missing piece of John Wesley Powell's expeditions, a photographic history of the Southern Paiute Tribes. The author, Carol Ormond, uh, is joining us from KCPW Studios in Salt Lake City, and her husband, Kevin Ormond, who's involved in the publication of the book, is also uh, uh, joining us. You can join us as well. UPRaccess at gmail.com is the email. UPRaccess at gmail.com. Uh, uh, um, so I want to go to John Hillers next, but uh, people may be wondering, uh, Carol Ormond, the title of the book, The People. Why, why the people? Uh, because that's what uh, they call themselves. Um, and I, I thought it was apt and um, uh, that it, uh, it just gets down to the basic, the people. These are people. These are individuals. And that, that's one thing as we get into the photographs that um, as I was uh, contemplating 
doing the book uh, and wondering how to um, what to focus on. Um, there's so much. There's so much, and like I've said previously, that uh, that uh, much has been done academically. Um, what the photographs do are give an intimate look at these uh, these people, and um, so it seemed an apt name for for the the book. Well, and and to be candid, um, I uh, I did a marketing search, <laughs> and uh, and uh, found that uh, that there are a hundred thousand searches or so every month on that on on that phrase, and so. Um, it, you know, we want to get the the widest exposure and widest distribution that we possibly can. It's uh, beneficial for the foundation and it's beneficial for everyone. So, so, um, so that factored into it as well. I I weighed in uh, for that reason on on this particular title. Yeah, got got to yeah, got to get the book out there. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah, why, why yeah, not, yeah, so. yeah, yeah. There's nothing worse than being the world's best kept secret. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, so, Carol Armand, uh, tell us about John Hillers. Yeah, um, he. Uh, it was kind of a serendipitous, serendipitous meeting in Salt Lake City. Uh, I think he was kind of at loose ends. He was not a photographer at the time that he met John Wesley Powell uh, in 1871. He joined the expedition as a boatman. Um, but uh, over the course of their experiences together, he and Powell uh, became lifelong friends. And um, eventually, uh, Hillers did become Powell's uh, expedition photographer. Uh, there were uh, there were three others that uh, had had that uh, position, and uh, for one reason or another, they didn't work out. Um, Hillers turned out to be uh, a very gifted, uh, apt uh, student, and uh, he went on to, he, he not only did these 116 photographs, but he went on to do thousands of photographs of the landscape um, and gained national recognition as one of the premier photographers of the time. Uh, tell me about the, uh, the process. This is a fascinating... <laughs> I think I'll let Kevin do that, because he, uh, he uh, has... Uh, Really, really studied that. Um, it was a thousand pounds of equipment in a dark tent in well, the yeah, desert. Well, imagine this. Okay, so you're looking at it. First of all, it's a stereo, uh, stereoscopic camera. It has two lenses in the front. Uh, and then it uses um, glass plates. Um, the, the, um, the process um, was, uh, you know... It, they they would uh, use what's called a collo uh, collodion weight pl wet plate system. What they would do, so uh, okay. Now this is all happening in a tent, which is their dark room in the middle of the sagebrush, mind you. Okay, down <laughs> by Kanab. Okay, so imagine this. And so they 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 have to flow a syrupy um, uh, solution across the glass plate. It has to be even. Um, and uh, place it in a solution of silver nitrate in the dark in the dark room. Uh, then it put it in a plate holder while it's still wet and tacky. You have to make the exposure at that time. Now, now the shutter the shutter had to be held open depending on on conditions um, for a minute or more, sometimes uh, several minutes. Uh, so so all photographs of that era are staged. People talks about these photographs being staged, and they are because every photograph 
whether it was a president, whether it was um, a news a news reel, whatever it was, had to be staged because of these long exposure times. If you move, if you don't freeze, and 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 if you move, it blurs it. Hmm. And so they had to they had to get everybody set. And then say, don't move. And then they would pull that thing off for however long it took and then put it back on. And then everybody can take a breath. Right. <laughs> so basically, uh, that's 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 the process. Then they take it. If, if the plates had dried out before they got that picture taken, they 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 lost them. They had to start over. And so sometimes it would take several um, exposures to get one photograph because of uh, everybody's not quite right or somebody moves or whatever happens, you know, to get it right. Then they go back into the tent and they they then use a very similar solution. Um, uh, it uh, it uh, it has uh, eggs in it and it has all other kinds of things. Wheat paste. Yeah, wheat all, paste. all, yeah, all kinds white, of things salt, in there. Wheat paste. Yeah, to to make this uh, this process. Uh, then they make uh, they make these um, um, prints uh, from that. Now the 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 fascinating thing about them is it's a relatively acid free process. What that means is here are these 150 year old photographs with incredible detail, and they're still 150 years from now incredibly detailed. And there there are there are flaws. We had to get uh, a retoucher to to do these, but but. Um, they're they're small. They're about uh, uh, three by four inches or so, and um, we we got to pull every one of these 116 photos off the wall, and um, and I I physically touched every one of them and scanned them in, along with a certificate on the back that tells what it is, and uh, and who shot it, and and that it's part of the of the Powell expedition. This. Uh, uh, was was quite an experience to be able to to, to do this and uh, then put all these 116 back in the frames and back up on the wall. Uh, it uh, it was a fascinating uh, experience to scan them in, but I imagine just to imagine what it took to make this happen, and it was tricky. Um, this is one of the reasons that Hillers ended up being the uh, the photographer, is because he was a detail oriented enough individual, evidently, that he was able to 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 manage all these these very critical times that you had to deal with uh, short time periods where, where, where this was possible to take a photo with that glass plate. Uh, but a thousand pounds of gear that they hauled down the river and on horseback and everything else by train uh, to get it to get it there, uh, the equivalent of today's iPhone, I guess, <laughs> with the technology of the time. But but uh, but nonetheless, uh, when you think about that and realize that it's breakable and all this kind of stuff, and they and they were able to do this successfully, is 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 almost a, mir- a miracle in itself. Uh, in part of the preservation of the of these images and this and this this record of this culture. Uh, there were I read in the book there were a couple of purposes for the photographs. One was ethnographic, right? The other yes. was commercial. We want to want to sell yes. these. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, uh, you got you got to pay the bills. Yeah. Uh, so on the I guess the commercial side, um, they, they they brought in Thomas Moran, did they? To yes, to, to yes. pose people. Yes, and uh, they also brought in uh, costumes that uh, some were from the Ute Indians and some were in, actually made by uh, Paul's wife, I believe it was. Or and sister. Or sister, maybe it was his sister. sister. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, in the book, you can see 
the photographs that are and in, in, in probably in the early drafts from 1872 um, are the more ethnographic uh, uh, yeah, people wearing, wearing nothing and uh, what was the what uh, and and that sort of thing you can you can tell that that's uh, that that's more authentic yeah, yeah they uh, they did have uh, rabbit skins they, have, they they killed deer and rabbits and things and so they did have some some uh, skins to work with but not a lot and used those mostly in the winter when it was really cold and then um, in the book there's a section that I call the the portraits and these are those that were taken um, in 1873 when Thomas Moran joined the the group and uh, artfully posed the Indians and uh, they are dressed for the most part in costumes that are not authentic and this is something that uh, people are are uh, concerned about making sure that people realize that viewers realize that um, that that is the case that not all of the uh, the dress is authentic and so however the settings are authentic and the, and the dwellings are authentic and and the artifacts are authentic the the woven hats and baskets and and uh, they they they'd make these these watertight baskets essentially use them for two purposes one as a hat and another now I've got it so I can gather seeds or I can uh, boil dinner or whatever else in this in this thing um, they would actually um, um, heat rocks up in a in a fire and then drop them into one of these things full of water and and uh, see whatever they're going to eat and and uh, cook their food in the manner in these is one basket well, so we're we're having uh, some uh, uh, excuse me we're we're done, kind of someone put them on as a head we're having some uh, some technical difficulties here. Let's go to a break, and uh, we'll see if we can reestablish the uh, the connection. We're talking about uh, the uh, the book, The People, the missing piece of John Wesley Powell's expeditions. More following this. When Cash Valley's sugar beets were loaded into train cars, they took quite a pounding. The farmers ran their wagons up a ramp and then tipped the beets down a steep slope of wooden slats. Dirt flew everywhere as the beets bounced down the ramp into the train car waiting below. The farmers were paid by the pound, and the sugar beet factories didn't want to pay for the dirt. For more stories from Utah's railroading past, join us Friday, May 10th at 10 a.m. and Saturday, May 11th at 3 p.m. on UPR's Ride the Rails. StoryCorps is the largest oral history project of its kind. Founder David Isay traveled to Utah, where he met with health care providers, clinicians, patients, and caretakers to explain why storytelling can be a source of hope and healing. Beginning in May, conversations unique to Utah, told by residents living in Logan, Ogden, and St. George. Stories of hope and healing, heard during Morning Edition and All Things Considered, only on Utah Public Radio. On the next edition of the Putumayo World Music Hour, we'll explore the rich diversity of world music right here in North America and talk to an American original, Joan Osborne. Well, I've made two trips to India, and I really just went to study the music. I'm Dan Storper. And I'm Rosalie Howarth. Give your passport a rest this time, and join us for the next Putumayo World Music Hour. 
Join us Friday night at 10 on Utah Public Radio. This week on Undisciplined, we're talking about math education and zombies. And if those two things don't seem to have anything to do with one another, well, that's the idea. On our program, we bring together researchers from vastly different areas of study, and we ask them to build connections. And that takes brains. Get it? The computational pedagogist and the undead philosopher, that's Undisciplined, Friday at 2. Thanks for joining us for Access Utah. We reached our last segment with Carol Armand and Kevin Armand. Uh, Carol Armand is uh, author of a new book, The People, The Missing Piece of John Wesley Powell's Expeditions. And Kevin Armand is involved in the publication. Uh, should uh, mention a couple of events uh, happening in conjunction with uh, this. We're talking about photographs, 116 photographs of uh, John Hiller's. Um, and uh, the first event is tomorrow evening, 7 o'clock, Salt Lake County Library Viridian Event Center in West Jordan. And uh, then other events, many events happening on May 18th at the Maynard Dixon Museum in Mount Carmel, uh, Utah. And uh, it's located near the John Wesley Powell Expedition sites uh, over there. Um, so uh, I guess, uh, Carol or, or Kevin, uh, tell us again about the, the exciting things going to be happening there. Um, Robert Goldman has been uh, commissioned uh, to create new images of key sites along John Wesley Powell's expedition. Yeah, he's done 40 of them, and uh, and uh, these um, the, they are for sale, of course, uh, in, in the gallery. But um, but uh, nobody gets to pick one up before we're done on the 18th, <laughs> and so some have actually already been sold. But uh, you know, he's he he's a he's a, a great artist. He is. Uh, you know, in terms of, of people that are still living, he's 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 uh, he's one of the top, I think, Western artists uh, in terms of, of people that are still living. Uh, Maynard Dixon is pretty much near the top, I guess. If uh, if you could find one of his paintings, uh, you couldn't afford it. Uh, mm-hmm. There there are well as six figures, but the Goldman's aren't quite as pricey. But the fact is that um, that he did these uh, very quickly, just in a few months' time. Uh, he did these forty. Um, actually visited sites, uh, flew his drone around, took pictures, and then painted from those pictures um, these various paintings um, uh, of different sizes and such. And uh, the exhibit is now uh, on display down there in the Maynard Dixon Museum, and it's beautiful. Uh, it's almost as nice as the exhibit we have in the Viridian of the ones uh, that uh, that uh, that I did, <laughs> the, the posters I made that we put together for this. Uh, but uh, the... Um, the the whole the whole process is is all in commemoration of of this uh, event, and uh, and and in in bringing light to uh, this this relatively unknown um, aspect of um, of of Southern Utah and and the uh, the relatively unknown people, um, uh, the Southern Paiutes that uh, people really don't know much about them. Oh, well, let's get into that. Um, so uh, a couple of quotes from the book really uh, struck me. Um, they, they had a way of life perfectly adapted to their environment, very harsh environment, and uh, the fact that they were vertical nomads. Tell me about yes. that. Yes. Uh, the country in which they lived uh, just uh, was... Um, 
within within less than 10 miles, uh, they, they could uh, change elevation that would be the equivalent of, uh, of if you traveled from uh, Mexico to Canada. Well, and, and, and that's true here. I mean, I mean, today, if you wanted to, you could go up and ski snowbird and come down and golf down here with all the, the trees in bloom. So in, in just a, yeah. a very so, short period of, of, of time and distance, um, you have vastly different um, climatic conditions today. And and, um, and, uh, and and the same is true down there, of course, and, because and it's mountainous there, too. So they took advantage of that. They would harvest whatever was uh, now in season in one elevation, and and uh, and they, you know use that, and then they would uh, move on to the next elevation um, when uh, the next when when the season was right there. Uh, they they were uh, apparently expert botanists. They utilized uh, over 96 uh, different varieties of grasses and plants uh, for both cooking and medicinal purposes. So, and, um, and then, of course, Kevin mentioned earlier, they had, uh, Powell says their knowledge was unerring. They knew the territory so well that they knew where to find water. There, there uh are places where uh, water collects collects yeah in these water pockets uh, so they they had a they had a knowledge of of that uh, as well um, so um, yeah uh, they they did live a nomadic life and uh, because of that uh, some people f- seem to feel like they were not as uh, they weren't civilized, but uh, in terms of their ability to uh, survive in the environment in which they lived, uh, they were adaptable, and that was one of their big, big strengths. Are there is there a favorite photograph in the book which illustrates their their way of life or a particular person? Uh, oh, that's a good question. There are, uh, I. You know, I guess. You know, Carol's favorite is watermelon. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> tell tell me about that. Tell you about watermelon. <laughs> there is a, a, a photograph in uh, the chiefs and government section of. Uh, they're called the brother chiefs, and they were part of the Las Vegas Paiutes. And uh, there are these two brothers, and they're there with their their wives. And uh, the one wife's name was Watermelon, and I just thought that was delightful. I thought I'd like that name. <laughs> I, I'd like to be called watermelon. Um, but uh, in terms, you know, I guess uh, the empty cradle is one. Uh, let me just turn to that one. Yeah, tell us about that. It's, uh, it's in one of the, it's in the, the portrait section. Um, and the woman in the picture is dressed in one of the costumes. So her costume is not authentic. But uh, in front of her is, uh, is a very lovely example of uh, a wicker uh, cradle board uh, that they made. And, and that one uh, is authentic. And that, yes, and that is authentic. But I think, I don't know, in many, if not most, of, if not all of these photographs, um, what 
you get is a very intimate look at individuals. And um, as I've heard comments with the exhibit that uh, is at Meridian Center right now, people are very engaged with the photographs as photographs of real individuals, not a, this not a scientific study. Um, Powell and Hillers both knew these people by name. Um, and one of the, um, I think, the value of the book and, and the exhibit that we have at, at the Viridian as well is the certificates that accompany each one of these photographs uh, in the original uh, exhibit down in Mount Carmel are not visible. And so you don't get... Yeah, they're get, hidden inside the frame behind the You uh, don't get the, the context. You, you don't get the context of who you're looking at, of what you're looking at. Um, and so the book pulls together uh, the context for being able to engage with the photos, to know the people, to understand their culture, to know them as individuals, to well, see them as family. Well, those certificates are as much a part of the exhibit as the photos are. And, I, and, uh, and because of that, because of the fact that they actually, uh, it goes from, oh, that's an interesting picture. Oh, that is this person doing this thing. And, and they are, this is so-and-so's wife and whatever else. And that information... Uh, is, um, is is it just brings the whole thing to life? It really it, it it's like yeast in the bread. It just brings the whole thing to to uh, life. Uh, I think my favorite picture is uh, is the mother, um, where um, where this woman is uh, has got uh, got a child and she's nursing another. And uh, I I uh, I I really like that. Uh, I think I, I think what I like about it is it's just that that. Uh, uh, I don't know, on the oldest of 10, we have eight, uh, 31 grandkids. Uh, what do I know? But, but I, think, I think it's just that, that um, uh, it captures the fact that a mother is a mother is a mother is a mother, um, and it doesn't matter if that mother is a Southern Paiute or someone of European descent or, or um, African. It doesn't make any difference. A mother is a mother is a mother. Mother's Day is coming up. And so <laughs> I think, for me, I don't know. I, I really like that. I think that's probably my favorite photo. Mm. So, Tom, I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Was there one that captured your interest in well, particular? Well, uh, the, the, the mother stood out to me, too. Um, uh I'm just trying to trying to think. I mean, they 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 all struck me. Oh yeah. Um, and it's it, it's the expressions on the face. It's getting to know the people as much as you can through a through a photograph. Well, and yeah. realizing that they lived a hard life. You know, these people that are that are old are probably fifty, maybe. <laughs> you know, or or yeah. something. Um, and they look and they look quite old in some of them. Um. You know, the, it's a harsh life. I mean, they're outdoors all the time. They're they're exposed to the elements all the time, um, summer and winter. And uh, you know, in and uh, they didn't, um, you know, without modern medicine and stuff like that, people didn't live long lives like they do today. Uh, so there's, you know, uh, they aged more quickly. 
you know, and, and, and the detail in these photos, you can see the, f the, the fringing on, the, on, on things. You can see the wrinkles in their faces. You can see all, you've got to see these uh, photos. I mean, you've got to uh, see the originals uh, down in Mount Carmel, but you've also, uh, the, the ones that are in the book and the ones that are at the exhibit in, at the Viridian, uh, you know, if you don't see these things, you're really missing uh, something in terms of a, a connection uh, to uh, to your own humanity, I think. We have uh, just uh, oh, about three minutes left, and we have a caller from uh, St. George. Carl in St. George has called us. Thanks for calling. Oh, oh howdy, folks. Um, the hour is almost over, but my uh, uh, grandfather's brother, William R. Palmer, wrote a book called Why the North Star Stands Still. It's a collection of Paiute Indian legends, and I'm surprised that you haven't mentioned uh, that the Paiutes had a wonderful way of growing watermelons down on the uh, these arid desert, deserts of southern Utah. What they do is they learned they could plow, but they could plant a row of watermelon seeds, and right next to those a row of onions, and then a row of potatoes. And as the potatoes and the onions matured, the smell of the onions would make the eyes in the potato water, and the water would water the watermelon seeds. No. And it was a wonderful way to grow watermelons. Now, I thought that would be interesting for you to know. Oh, that's Very. wonderful. Yeah, that's, that's a good story. <laughs> Thank you. Have a good day. Thanks, Thank thanks, you. Carl. Appreciate that. That's that's wonderful. <laughs> Uh, I should uh, I should mention uh, one of the delightful aspects of the book, um, Carol Orman. Do you have uh, you've included uh, a Paiute origin yes. uh, myth or story? Yes, and uh, uh, and a wonderful original illustration done by Delene Marsh, who lives down in Saint George, to yeah, illustrate that. Yeah, I was commissioned that. especially for this book. This yes, uh huh. Yeah. Um, I don't know if we have time to kind uh, of we, we have summarize. About, yeah, we have about two minutes. Uh, yeah, sum, summarize that as best you can. Yeah. Well, it's a beautiful uh, story. Yeah, it's a, a great story of uh, these two brothers having been brought a sack uh, and told not to open it and to take it to a certain place, and they would meet someone, and that person would tell them what to do with it. Well, they were curious. They thought, oh, it might be dung. It might be snakes. It might be... They were... It just trying to imagine what could possibly be in this sack and finally the one brother's uh, curiosity got the best of him. He opened the sack and out came all these people running out um, onto the uh, the desert there yeah. and uh, and uh, the Arizona Strip. Yeah and so the uh, the Tev Watts, who was the person who was going to tell them what to do, appeared and uh, said, why have you done this? I wanted these people to live in the good land of the east. And here, foolish boy, you have left them out in a desert. Um, so uh, he, there were a few people left in the sack, and Tev Watts took the sack to the Kaibab Plateau, to the brink of the Grand Canyon, and uh, took out the remainder of the the people there, and these were the Paiutes. That's uh, yeah, it's a beautiful story and a beautiful illustration there that uh, yes, commissioned for, for the book. Yes. Well, we're just about out of time. I uh, just want to uh, tell people how they can get a hold of the book. I guess the website best place the peoplebooks.com. Yeah, the peoplebooks.com, and they can uh, and they can. Uh, 
find out more information there. They can also purchase from there directly. And, and uh, anybody who does that gets a signed copy sent to them. Uh, okay. Which is kind of nice. Excellent. And 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 a little card with that uh, that illustration. Yes. Yeah, it's a beautiful <laughs> yeah. illustration. Okay. Uh, and the events uh, the at Mount Carmel, you can find out much more about those. Those are happening on May 18th, and you can go to uh, the Thunderbird, uh, or rather not the Thunderbird, ThunderbirdFoundation.com, ThunderbirdFoundation.com. Yeah, uh, yeah, Thunderbird Foundation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, there's an event tomorrow, uh, yes. Viridian Event Center. Tell us about that. Well, that is a book signing, and that's the opening of the exhibit uh, of the 40 photographs. They're uh, 22 by 28 enlargements. You can come and uh, take time and look at each one of them and enjoy uh, engaging with the people. Well, we Um, got them at such high resolution when we scanned them in that that they're only... Four by five. These are almost ten times the size, and there's still the details phenomenal. Oh, beautiful! And so I'll be there uh, signing books and answering questions. Would love to talk with people about the photographs, uh, the exhibit, the book, uh, the Paiute, the people. It would be wonderful. Well, it's a, a wonderful a series of events and a beautiful book, The People, The Missing Piece of John Wesley Powell's Expeditions, A Photographic History of Southern Ute, Paiute Tribes. Uh, Carol Armand is the author, and her husband, Kevin Armand, is involved in the publication. They have both joined us from KCPW Studios in Salt yeah, Lake City. Yeah, I'm the publisher, basically. You're the publisher, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so thanks to both of you. Appreciate it. Thank you so much, Tom. It's been really enjoyable talking Tom, about Tom, thank you so much. And thanks for listening to Access Utah. This is Utah Public Radio, a statewide service of Utah State University and the College of Humanities and Social Sciences, KUSR Logan, KUSK Vernal, KUSL Richfield, KUST Moab, KCEU Price, KUSUFM Logan, also heard at upr.org. Sometimes life in the big city just calls for a long walk. Coming up, a reflection on the power of losing yourself and finding yourself while wandering in a bustling city. I'm Fred Child. Join me for a piece called Street Haunting by Emily Cooley on the next Performance Today from APM. Tune in tonight at 9 o'clock to Utah Public Radio.